All right. Uh, without further ado, I want to kind of jump into our series. I want to invite my buddy Tim to come up. We've got a special opportunity this morning uh, to hear from my friend Tim. He's taking his time. I got it right here. I got your mic right here, Tim. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to be, if you missed the last couple of weeks, I, I so encourage you to go back and listen. That's the joy of uh, videos and COVID and uh, everything's online, and you have the opportunity to go back and watch last week's message. For those that serve downstairs once a month or so, you can come, and then you can uh, serve, and then later on in the week, on a Wednesday or Thursday, you can, um, you can uh, go back and watch the message and not miss anything. So, uh, I know we don't always do as traditional, like, we're going to have a scripture reading this morning. Everybody kneel on the, the pad in front of you. No, we're not going to do that. Uh, but this morning, our scripture reading uh, is uh, via the arm of Tim rather than the book of Tim, uh, Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4. The scripture reading today is from the arm of Tim. Yeah, it's on. Is it on? Hold on. Is it on? No, it's not on. Oh, there it is. Sweet. Look at that. So, Tim, if you missed it, show everybody. So he's got it tattooed on his arm. You can decide whether or not you feel biblically that's all right. I think it's so cool. Uh, but, Tim, why, why or how did you pick that verse for, for your tattoo, your first tattoo? It's been my favorite verse for, like, four years because, uh, like, the last vacation Bible school we did, uh, we were chilling outside. Yeah, nice. Right? So, uh, and we'll get into that a little bit this morning. Uh, I, I told Tim I was going to ask him a silly question here. Uh, so, um, who is the least, and I'm saying this like a double negative. I get in trouble for this. Who is the least well-behaved in your house? Zoe. Oh, throwing Zoe under the bus. Uh, all right, who's, the, who's the, the best behaved? Either my older sister Shelby or my mom. Oh, there you go. Good deal. All right. Good deal. Shout out for them. Hey, thanks, man. Yeah. Tim, uh, Tim texted me that. The, I think it was the day you got it done. And I was just amazed. I was like, wow. Because uh, it actually says in Timothy, and we'll get into this, but 4.13 says, until I come, and this is Paul again writing to Timothy, not this Timothy. Well, yeah, yeah, it could be right. He's right to this Timothy as well. But he says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. I tell you what, that is going to be publicly read uh, out loud so, many, so much in your life. It's going to be crazy. Uh, you're going to be like, oh, people just want to read the verse. But that's good, right? That's good. Uh, so um, at our house, at our house, uh, I have to say that it is either myself— uh, or Micah, but probably myself that is the least well-behaved in our house. I get in the most trouble. I say things I shouldn't. Like, I, I, I am probably the—I'm le le saying it like least well-behaved or the most not 
behaving correct. Anyways, that's what it is. And, and I tell you what, uh, I, I, I talk about that uh, solely because there's this underlying theme uh, and focus in Timothy that talks about God's household. And, um, and if you've missed part of our series, it's we're focusing on the relationship between Timothy and Paul and the writings that Paul sent to Timothy as he was back in Ephesus and their interaction and the relationship they had with each other, but also more so than just a letter from one person to another. It's a letter to the church. It's a letter to God's people, which applies to us today uh, without a doubt. And there's so much written in, in this chapter alone. There's so much in here for us to uh, look at. But here, First uh, Timothy, we're going to end with chapter 3 and then jump into chapter 4. But First Timothy 3, 14 through 16 says this. Although I hope to come to you soon, and again, this is Paul writing to Timothy saying, hey buddy, I, I know I sent you over there and I know it's probably pretty tough uh, and you're facing a lot. I'm going to come, but until I come, he says, although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth, beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. And this talks uh, uh, about Jesus and what he did. He says, he appeared in the flesh. He was uh, vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels. He preached among the nation, was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. So Christ's life, death, and resurrection uh, played out. And because of that, uh, we are doing what we are doing. Uh, I'm writing to you because of that. Uh, and I want to uh, let you know that in Believing in that, this is how we conduct ourselves as part of God's household. And throughout at least the first book of Timothy and on into the second book of Timothy, there's this underlying focus in this idea of relationships and healthy relationships, the healthy relationship that they had, as well as uh, the household, the household of God, but also addressing household in, in young and old and, and male and female and all that kind of stuff that's going on. And specifically, it's tying back to God's household. How we as believers, those who have placed our faith and trust in the one who was vindicated by the Spirit, who appeared in the flesh, that gave his life, uh, and that was taken up for glory, defeating death, uh, because of that, specifically um, how we should conduct ourselves as God's people. Um, and uh, when, we, when we first started uh, CTK Sudden Valley, um, uh, my friend Derek, he's preached here a handful of times. He's a network pastor who actually uh, was instrumental in all uh, campus pastors, all six of us who are pastors over the, the, the churches that, that are in our network right now. Uh, he, he, he was huge in discernment in, uh, in recognizing the call that God had put on our lives. Uh, even though at times we're like, I'm questioning that. Um, but for me specifically, uh, some of the stuff that Derek taught me early on when he recognized that call and, 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 and brought it up to me was this, uh, this idea of getting our house in order, to our lives uh, to be not perfect, and I'll get into that too, but definitely in line with what God wants for us. And he called it the three P's the three P's of our lives, right? And he said that uh, first and foremost, your private life, the life that you live when nobody's watching, 
The life that you live when you're all by yourself, the life that you live when, when uh, you know, whether you're up or down, uh, wherever you're at, when you're in private, by yourself, you know, nobody else is around, that life that you live has to line up with your belief and faith in Jesus. And then, he said, would lead into your personal life. And this would be your family life, your marriage, your uh, raising of children, your growing old, your, um, your, your, your life amongst the, the, the believers, right? Ones you live with your best friends and those that are close to you. I call it your inner circle or your sphere of influence. That's your personal life. And that, too, must align with what God desires, and, and, and he must be at the center of that life as well. And then leading to uh, our public life. So the life we live out loud for everybody to see. The life that we uh, maybe at some points we uh, cast out the, the exactly what we want people to see. But whatever it may be, our public life that is visible to all must line up with God's uh, with Jesus being at the center of that as well. And that if we work on those three areas, if those three areas, Christ is at the center of those three areas, we have some of the greatest influence we can have on all levels. Personal growth, uh, highly uh, deep relational growth, and then uh, our, our public display of allowing people to see Christ in the way that we live our life out loud for others to see. And, and for me, it struck me because I thought about that for a while. I was like, man, that's a big, tall order for us to live uh, in alignment in all of those areas in our lives. And church, this is far from a claim of living the perfect life in all three areas because, I mean, we all know, we all mess up on the daily, maybe even if you're like me, getting in trouble the most at your house. Uh, we all fall short. We all stumble. We all, uh, we all are learning and growing individuals. None of us have arrived. None of us have a complete even understanding of God's call on our life. Right? We continue to learn and grow in that. Uh, and, 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 and this is talking about this meta theme that Paul is bringing Timothy uh, back to time and time again, and that's that supremacy in Christ. That Christ is at the center of everything that we would do. Uh, and if we look at the form of this book of Timothy, he, the first book at least, he writes it in a way that is super clear and points directly back to Christ as he starts walking us through uh, how he feels God's household should be run. Because the, the, the fold and makeup of this first, first, the book of 1 Timothy is just that he gives us some instruction, and then about a third of the way through, he's got a poem, uh, a poem-type worship prayer that he prays, and then uh, tells us some more instructions on how we ought to live our life, and that poem structure prayer is focused on Christ, and then, uh, and then a third way through, he does another poem uh, structure-type prayer that is focusing us back on Christ, and then he closes out the book in chapter 6 with another one after he's given us some more instructions, and, and those put together uh, directly point back to Jesus, continually return to Jesus. They are 1 Timothy 1.17, 1 Timothy 3.16, and 1 Timothy 
15 and 16, and they say this. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh. He was vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by the angels. He was preached among the nations. He was believed on in the world and was taken up to glory. And to God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, whose lives, who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him honor and might might forever. Amen. And so those three prayers are a third of the way through the book over and over, pointing back to the supremacy of Christ and his call on our lives. You guys still with me? You can pray those. Like Those are great prayers to your day to end or to start your day. And so we're going to jump into what is chapter 4 now. Um, in, 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 in this letter that Paul is writing to Timothy about uh, conduct within the household of God. And it says this, uh, verses one, 1 and 2 to start with. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose uh, consensus have been seared as the hot iron. And this talks to what we talked about last week or the, the first week of the message, which was these false teachers that had risen up. Um, it's pretty harsh, but these false teachers who had risen up and people started following after them rather than following after uh, Christ and continuing to put him at the center of all things. And so whether or not in your life right now you struggle like I do to continually put Christ at the middle of everything that we do, whether it be your, you know, like we talked about your parenting, your, your growing old, your, uh, your schooling, your work, your uh, household, your whatever it may be, whether you feel like uh, you struggle with that or not, uh, Paul is writing here that we oftentimes can place that faith, hope, and trust in something other than Christ. And actually, there's probably people in our lives that would, you would, if you just thought a little bit, you would realize there's people in your life that lead you down those paths, that get you to the spot where, where maybe you uh, are questioning. It says in, in verse 3, they forbid people to marry uh, and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and, uh, and know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is to be uh, received with thanksgiving, because it's consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths and the faith of the good teaching that you have followed, having nothing to do with godless myths in, in old wives' tales, rather train yourself to be godly. All right, we're going to walk through those verses specifically, but uh, this is speaking of the uh, false teaching that was going on and the abandoning of their faith uh, and following the deceiving spirits. Uh, and, and, and I spoke to this the first week, the forbidding of eating uh, steak was part of that, was part of this speculation on what the scriptures said, New Testament, New Covenant, but uh, I will not give up ribeye steaks. 
So um, I, but, it, but abstaining of meat and, and that marriage was bad and, and those kind of things were part of this. Um, and then them taking and expounding their own ideas over the scripture. Uh, when Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy uh, to take on, these are things of God. These are blessings of God. And that those things, when centered on Christ, are good. And, and, and that's something I want to test on today because oftentimes we feel like the elimination of things brings godliness. That uh, you look at your life and the things you're spending too much time on or you're spending too much money on or you're spending too much brain power on that you just need to eliminate those things in your life in order to become more godly. And what Paul is reminding Timothy of is, no, that's not necessarily the case. Sure, there are things, and you probably know them in your life, and nobody has to point them out, that you think, God probably doesn't want me to partake in that very much. But there are also things that God uniquely has blessed you with and uniquely allowed you to, uh, to uh, have as a hobby and have as something that, is, uh, that, is, that brings you joy and all those kind of things that you spend a lot of time on. But with Christ at the center of those things, understanding that they are actually a blessing from God, that they are actually good. That God wants to be with you in those areas of your life. And he wants to have you uh, recognize his presence and his, uh, his blessings, his uh, creation of who you are to enjoy those things specifically. And for some people, right, for some people, it's working out, right? Raise your hand if you've hit the gym this week. Sweet, I'm in good company, because I haven't. There's only a few of you that have. And this is the verse I hang on as to why I don't go to the gym. Uh, it is verse 8. It says, for physical training is of some value. But godliness has value uh, for all things. And so I personally just focus on the godliness, and I, that's why I don't go to the gym. Uh, I just want to throw that out there, and you can use that to support your uh, inability to form the habit of going to the gym if you want. But no, it says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that should deserve full acceptance. And, and, and this speaks to that idea of what I talked about earlier about the public, the public display. Because some people, I'm not saying anybody who rose their hand in here do, do this, but some people go and allow their physical, uh, their physical appearance to be what they work and give and devote their life to. Right, if you remember back last week when I awkwardly talked about women in the church and, and all that kind of stuff, where I, th those group of women that, that, that those verses in 2 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2 were written to, those are people who had focused on their image and, and used their image to allow that to shame and, 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 and separate uh, other people from their ability to appear the same way that they have. And that's what this verse is talking about. Some value the physical training, but uh, what is more godly is, and this speaks to this idea, what is more godly is focusing on the spiritual. Here's where, where I fall far short in a command that God gives me. My health. As you can tell, I am a little shade overweight, right? 
And God would actually desire for me to be healthy, whether I'm overweight or not, who knows. But, uh, but God would just desire his creation to be healthy, to live a healthy life as display, but to not take it to the point where that becomes our focus and identity in our lives. Right? And so uh, our focus being the uh, spiritual side of allowing God to lead us into what he desires for us to do in our lives. Because here's the truth I know about, about for me is that God wants me here and has a plan for me for the life that I'm living here. And he desires for me to be here as long as he wants me to be here. Right? To do the work that he's called me to. All right. Verse 10. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people and especially of those who believe. Now, uh, none of the other stuff is going to get us into the presence or right graces with God. Uh, the things that we chase personally, the things that we um, uh, uh, adopt in our lives as our sole focus an idea, uh, the things that we uh, run hard after in our lives are actually uh, not going to get us closer to the graces of God or to interact with those graces of God, more so than uh, our hope placed in the supremacy of what Christ did for each one of us, right? That he would be at the center of it, and that's why we strive. That's why we, uh, we work hard, because it's not always easy to do the right thing. Right? It's not always easy to live, especially in this culture, in this day and age, it's not always easy to choose that narrow path. But we as God's people, uh, he desires for us to uh, press into the spiritualness of allowing Christ to be at the center of it, making it Easier? I don't know if easier is the right word. Or making it, uh, allowing us to see the path that he desires for us. All right, and then now brings us to uh, the, the, the arm verse that Tim read to us this morning. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 12. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Uh, if you were here last week, you do know that I read a scripture that I've actually never read out loud in church. Uh, and I hid behind my Bible, uh, and I actually think that's a great thing to hide behind the Word of God and allow that to be our filter. But uh, where I talked about uh, this verse in Second Second uh, Timothy and and how uh, the harm the those scripture texts and many other texts throughout Scripture have allowed, and even the church uh, have used it to um, to cause harm to God's creation. And, and speculating and, and misinterpreting what the scripture says. And, and this is a verse that's just like that. I was having a conversation with uh, somebody this week, and we were talking about uh, not only uh, the idea of women in ministry, but also the idea of youthfulness. Uh, and we were at a middle school gathering. And then also the idea of, of and you've heard me pray about it a couple times here, the idea of growing old, Right? If we look at what our culture has done today, uh, well, now we're maybe swinging both ways on the spectrum when it comes to women and empowerment, which is a great thing. Uh, but we've also, I think, 
continued to allow our youth to not see the value that they have. Um, and then we, what we've done, which is opposite of what Scripture tells us throughout the book of the Bible, throughout the, the book, the Bible, uh, the Bible talks about wisdom and age being something of great value. And the conversation I had with uh, this friend of mine was the idea of how we've kind of gone away from that. Where in the Bible it tells that those that have gone before us, and we prayed about it last week, those that have gone before us, those that have grown up in the wisdom and knowledge of Christ, that those people have immense value. And I know my parents are watching, but uh, over the years as they have, as they have grown older and I have grown wiser, uh, I have said, well, they don't know. Right? They don't know. I mean, it's different. When really, the value is, uh, is across the board on everything. When God uh, creates, he creates in unique ways for each one of us, and he actually desires for all people to know him and for all people to speak his truth into each other's lives. Young, old, in between, ethnicity, culture, Male, female, all have immense and equal value in God's eyes to use and to speak into each one of our lives where we are at and what he desires for us. Right? Old people, young people, women, minorities, disconnected, connected, those close to Christ and those even far away from Christ. I've learned some, some very truthful ideas about who God is through people who don't even know God. Through watching and observing God's creation and allowing it to be, to speak into whatever it is that God wants me to hear in every single moment. And, and, and if we look at this, this, uh, this, uh, this book of 1 Timothy, uh, up until this point uh, that we're reading the beginning of chapter 4, there's been four different times that Paul reminds Timothy that it's God's desire for all to understand the value of which God gave to their life. Four different times Paul reminds Timothy that it is God's plan for all people to come to the knowledge and understanding, to come underneath the love and acceptance that is God's, uh, God's desire for them. Right? Coming to the faith and hope and trust in Jesus. And it's for that reason that we pray for nations that, and people that may never get a glimpse of the hope that we feel, but that same hope being, uh, being available to them. But that is also the same extent that value uh, for all whom uh, are directly in front of us, those that we see on a daily basis, right? Our family, our coworkers, the checker at the grocery store, have the same value and the same access to the hope that, that God has for me and for you and for them. To which Timothy, this book of Timothy reminds that that's why uh, God sends us where he sends us. He's put you in a position that you may display and live out that value for other people. And that position may be your location where you live, 
That position may be the, the, uh, the position you hold in a work environment. That may be the influence you have in a parenting situation. That may be the influencing you have in a uh, spousal relationship. That may be the influence you have in, uh, in a neighbor, in a stranger, in, uh, you know, whoever it may be that God has placed you there to display the value and love that he has for those people. And the end of that verse in, 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 in Timothy reads that, um, verse uh, 14, it says, but, but, just, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct, in faith and purity, uh, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. And, and obviously, Tim will have that public reading of Scripture read uh, far more than anybody else who's in this room. Uh, but, um, but the, and that's the idea of this gathering together, the public reading of Scripture, the preaching and teaching, um, that gathering together to not forsake the idea of gathering together as God's people, right? And that would be, you know, uh, that would be Sunday mornings, sure. But if you know me, you know that I tend to not lean on in telling you that, hey, there is great value being here on Sunday mornings, and I love that you come here, but this isn't it. This is the smallest sliver of gathering together with God's people for support and encouragement and, 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 uh, and your, your dose of you know, truth and, and, and direction that God desires for your life. Like, this isn't it. That God desires for you to do that throughout all areas of your life in, in, in allowing people and other believers to come alongside you and direct you in those things. Right? It's more than, uh, and even on a Sunday morning or during the week, it's more than, hey, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good. How about those cracking? You know, that's a hockey team, right? Anyways, but God desires actually us to have those meaningful relationships that bring support, that bring encouragement, that bring, uh, that bring, bring us, uh, that lift us up. Allow us to get through the things in our life that, that, we're, that we're facing. It says, verse 14, do not neglect your gifts, which is given to you through the... This, there's so much in this. I mean, this would be a whole sermon series, I think. Do not neglect your gift, and we've only got about 45 minutes left, so I'm going to try to push through fast. Um, just kidding. You guys... Um, but be diligent in these matters. It says, no, do not neglect your gift, which is, was given you through the prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Church, God has a prophecy over your life. He has a truth that he has written in his book that he has spoken over you specifically to live out. He has a truth that he desires for you to live out in your life on the daily basis. And he desires for us to, uh, to serve in that gifting. He desires us to, to and, I, and I say serve more so than like, hey, we need an, another nursery worker or we need a slide person in the back. Like serve in that you serve others through your gifting. That people would know unmistakably how God has gifted you with uh, his 
truth in your life, and you've taken that truth, you've stepped into it, and you've realized, man, God desires so much more for me because I know and understand the truth that he has in my life. And, And others would see that and unmistakably see God's presence. And that would be connected to him relationally. Serve and live in a manner which you are gifted by your Father. And then verse 15, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. This is the idea of living life together. Living life together how God desires for us us as believers to live life together, to do life together, so that we can see and be encouraged about the progress and ground that Christ is taking in our lives. Verse 16, watch your life and doctrine closely. Preserve in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and the hearers of it. And this is, this is Paul encouraging Timothy but it's also God encouraging us to stay the course, to preserve the truth and understanding of what God desires for you, for us to push in and, 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 and allow him to move in and, 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 and persevere or preserve his presence in our lives. That it's Timothy, that it's Timothy who needs to hear from Paul that in the hardest times to press into God and his calling, to hold tight to his calling and his truth. And it's written to us as CTK Sudden Valley to be like, all right, we are going to, like that first verse, as the church, we are going to be, uh, the church is the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth, that CTK Sudden Valley would press into the, the pillar of truth that is Christ. And because of that, we would preserve, we would preserve and hold tight to what God has a calling on our life for. That John or Josh or, or, or Jerry or Bailey or whoever may be, that we would, he would write to you that you would persevere, that you would hold tight to the truth that he has for you in his life, in Christ. And this is what I've gained in this. Oftentimes, church, we, we kind of operate backwards. We feel, like, we feel like we have to belong in order to believe, and then from that becomes this, or no, we do it backwards. We think we have to behave in order to believe, and then because of our behavior and our belief, we belong. And, and that's like the Costco model. If you don't know, I worked at Costco for 15 years, right? And in order to shop at Costco, what do you have to have? The membership card, right? You have to apply, and then you have to give the membership card, and it's a big secret what's in there because, you know, if you don't have your membership card, you don't know what's in there, right? And we tend to operate that way. We operate that way in the workplace, right? If you're not part of my team, if you're not part of my workplace, you don't know what goes on there. We can't share, like you know, whatever it may be. Like, a lot of systems in our life are set up that way, that you have to believe and behave in order to belong, right? But I want to tell you that the church is opposite of that, that all of the reminders in Timothy that is for all people to come to the knowledge and understanding of the truth of God, you belong here. 
far before you uh, behave or be even believe, there is a sense of belonging in God's family. And that is what's at the foundation of what we as believers, as those have, who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus, need to understand that that is the desire we need to have for all people. That they belong here. Far before they believe or behave a certain way, but that they belong. And for us, uh, if we look at this, uh, this, this idea, for us as a church, as we continue to look to Jesus, as we continue to fo focus on Jesus, as we continue to put him at the center of all things, which, man, church, I feel God is moving in a mighty way. It's not, it's not even just me. Like All six of us campus pastors have gotten together the last few weeks, and, and I've had conversations with a lot of you, and, and, it, and, it's, and, it, and it's, it's, it's amazing to see, even with everything going on, that God is saying, you know what, I'm up to something. I'm up to something. And that if we, the church of CTK Southern Valley and the church of just our neighborhoods, the, 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 the church of our workplace, like the, 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 the people who have placed our faith and trust in Christ, if we've continued to put Jesus in order, uh, in the rightful place in our life, we'll continue to conduct ourselves in a way that people will understand that it's deep down what they desire as well. The truth and the knowledge of one that loves them far more than anybody on this earth, one that desires the best for them more so than they even understand from a personality test or a, a way I was born or raised or whatever, that, that God actually says, no, you belong in my family. You belong in my household. That it's my desire for you to eat at my table. That it's my desire to lead you into the support and encouragement that my family offers. Friends, God wants us to experience his household. We gather for dinner at our house, and the six of us, we tell silly stories and jokes and, and laugh and grow together and, and hear tough things that we're all walking through. And it's some of the best time for me. But when I really put Christ at the center of whatever other area outside of like 530 in the evening when we gather for dinner. When I put Christ at the center of my work or the center of my life, I get a glimpse of the household sitting at the table of God. And I get to see the joy and the love and the acceptance that he offers. And it's amazing. And I get to understand that he actually invites everyone to that table. It's his desire for you to be at that table. For your neighbor to be at that table, for your husband, your wife, your kids, all that you come in contact with to, to, to be a part of God's household and what he desires for us. Man, let me pray that over you. Ben, if you want to come forward. God, we, uh, we gather today as one family in many places. Uh, Lord, we we look to a father who, um, whose love is unmeasurable, whose comfort is soothing in times of uncertainty, whose strength is 
greater than anything we can muster up, Lord. Lord, and, uh, we gather to worship and to focus and to um, be led into your presence, Lord. But even more than that, God, we desire to be in deep relationship with you. Lord, we desire to understand the true meaning of being a part of your family. So God, as we close out this service, I pray that you just continue to speak to our hearts and minds that the place where we're at right now, sitting at your table, within view of your table or outside on the front door knocking, Lord, we just pray that your presence would be known in all of that, Lord. Lord, that we would catch a glimpse as we center and sing some songs and continue to hear from you, Lord. And as we go from here, may we go with the understanding of knowing who you are and the truth that you speak into each one of our lives, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen.